You know, as you know, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. I would encourage you, if I, and I've done it before, I want to do it again. Just take the book of Galatians and read over it and get an understanding of what was going on in the Galatian church. The church in Galatia had, had, had a great revival and an outpouring, but they began to slip back into their old ways. And their old ways were ways of legalism and, and, and operating in the natural level and not re- relying upon the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life. And so Paul, Galatians by and large is a letter of correction. Uh, who here today has never needed any correction from God? Anybody here never needed any correction? You never have? Okay, there you go, Patsy. <laughs> she thought I said, I did need, let me, I'll help you out. How many of you look in your life and you've needed correction from God in your life? We all, Beverly, raise your hand. There you go. Okay, amen. I didn't mean to confuse everybody this morning. Uh, but the Word of God brings correction in our life. And so maybe we're not like the church in Galatia, but we can certainly take what we're learning here and apply it in our lives. And so we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, fruit being uh, uh, the product, if you will, of a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led life. When you're led by the Spirit, and that's what you'll read in Galatians 5, When you're led by the Spirit and you follow the Spirit and you walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, there is a produce, there is a product. Uh, And and when you study this fruit of the Spirit and and even when you study the works of the flesh, um, and there are many... Paul, as he began to enumerate them, and then he said, and the like. In other words, there's all kinds of different manifestations of our fleshly nature. How many of you run in contact with any of that in your life before? Ooh, you know, that, that stuff you don't want to talk about. But then he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And we realize that it's not fruit as in plural, like even though there are nine different manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit, it's not plural, it's, it's singular, meaning when you live a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led life, there's a multifaceted produce that begins to be made manifest in your life called the fruit of the Spirit. And so we've looked at them individually, but they are not individually related. You, you can't pick and choose. You can't just choose to say, well, I choose to love and have joy, uh, but that self-control, I'm throwing that out the window. That's just not the way it works. But as we look to these, I believe that we can uh, cooperate. How many of you know you've got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in your life? Look at somebody and say, we've got to cooperate. You've got to cooperate. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Co- Did you know you were, on, you were just on to thousands of people around the world, Brent, by way of Facebook Live? My son-in-law, he knew I needed a drink this morning. Thank you, Brent. And so we've got to cooperate. We've got to work together with the Spirit of God for these manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit to be made real in our life. And so with that in mind, let's just read through uh, this fruit of the Spirit list and then we'll talk about goodness. He says this in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness. Everyone say goodness. Goodness, faithfulness, which by the way, Josh shared about a couple of weeks ago, so we got out of uh, order for just a little bit because of some scheduling issues. Uh, So he spoke on faithfulness a couple of weeks ago. And then verse 23, gentleness, self-control, against such 
there is no law. Father, we thank you today for the reading of your word. May it bring forth much fruit in our life. And everyone said, today we're talking about goodness. Have you ever told your kids, if you haven't, uh, shame on you, you tell your kids, you better be good now. You hear me? You ever drop them off somewhere, drop them off at their neighbor's house or at the birthday party or with whatever, even, the, and you give them a talking to you, you say, now, let, let me tell you something. If you, uh, you, you better be good, don't you? Hey, I expect you to be good. How many of you know the goodness of God is much more than that kind of goodness? We're going to talk about that this morning. In fact, uh, when you take your children, how many of you can make them, uh, well, how many of you can sometimes make them obey you? And, and even though they obey you, how many of you know something on the inside tells you they still, they still hadn't understood the goodness of God yet? It's like the little, little child who, I've told this before, it just comes up. The little child, but mom and daddy was telling him, you sit down, and they're in the car, sit down and buckle up. Sit down and buckle up. And he didn't want to. Finally, they turned around and said, you don't know what's going to happen if you don't sit down and buckle up. Finally, he sat down and huffed and he buckled up. And then he mumbled this, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I want you to know I'm standing up on the inside. How many of you realize that in our life when we try to be good on our own strength, we, we realize it's hard to obey the rules. It's hard to be good. In fact, what we're going to learn today, it's impossible. It's impossible for us in our own strength to, to express the goodness of God. And so it's much more than obeying the rules. And really it's a twofold manifestation. When you talk about the goodness of God and, and, and the goodness of the, the, that comes from the fruit of the Spirit, there's a twofold manifestation. It works in our life in two ways, internally and externally. Everyone say internally. And externally, let me explain to you because they work in, in harmony with one another. Here it is. In fact, uh, it's like, uh, let me just give you this definition. I, this is Pastor Sam's def, working definition. I'm working this out about, about the fruit of the spirit of goodness. It is this. Goodness is the inner working of the character and nature of God. That empowers us to move into our intended state of being. Everyone say state of being. As well as our intended state of doing. Now here's, here's what I want you to understand about goodness. It's not just being good and being morally pure and upright in your heart. It's, it, it's about being mature spiritually, upright in heart, having virtue internally that is then expressed externally by doing good in the earth. Are you with me? In fact, understand this. When the goodness of God begins to be made manifest in you, when you begin to walk and we begin to walk at a new level of the character and the nature of God in our life, it is best manifest by good works. Are you with me? Say amen. I've met some believers who would say they're moral and right and up, upstanding and they would call themselves good people, but they are lacking in the arena of good works. 
And so when the goodness of God begins to come upon you, that virtue, that character, that nature of God, you, you have a state of being. This is who I am. I'm more like Christ. I'm becoming holy. How many of you know the Bible teaches us to be holy for he is holy? And we embrace the character and the nature of God uh, that he gives us by his mercy and grace. It's by his mercy and grace that the goodness of God is made manifest in our life. It's not by just obeying the rules. You can't obey enough rules to be good. Are you with me? It's impossible. Look at your neighbor and say, it's impossible. Patricia, let me tell you something. It's impossible to, to, to find victory over things in life without the power and the presence and the authority of God in our life. Are you with me? Say amen. And so that's where it begins, when we begin to embrace it. So it's a twofold. It's things that begin to happen on the inside. And we begin to become more like Christ and will be made manifest. Not, it won't just stay there. Listen, it's not God's plan for you just to walk in his goodness and his righteousness and sing happy songs until Jesus comes. That's just a part of the process. The process is we embrace the character and the nature of Christ and it begins to be made manifest in our life, not by just being good and not smoking and chewing and going with the girls that do. It's greatest and, and and, and, and best manifestation is in his goodness, not just moving to us, but moving through us to other people. That's what we're talking about when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit called goodness. And if you understand that with me this morning, say amen. Now, where on earth, I've already basically shared it with you, the origin of the goodness of God interesting little insight. I've kind of, I've kind of battled with this a little bit, but I understand what Jesus was saying. Jesus, they were calling him good teacher, good teacher. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 18, he says, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one, and that is God. Jesus himself on planet earth refused to be called good. Why do you call me good? There's, uh, I'm not, there's only one that is good and it is God. Now, how many of you know Jesus is good? But you know what Jesus was teaching us? That in this life, there's no way to embrace goodness except from God the Father. And any goodness that is made manifest in and through us, it's not by our nature because all of our righteousness is as what? It's like, Filthy rags. They're, it's impossible to be good in our own strength. In fact, you know what Paul the Apostle said who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament? He said this in Romans chapter 7, verse 18. He said, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Everybody say nothing. And so goodness does not come from us. It comes from God Almighty. There's no way to walk in the goodness of God except it be given to us and grows and matures in us by the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. Let me show you this principle uh, in another passage. Take a right and go to Second Peter. Follow with me. Second Peter, are you with me? You go past Hebrews, James, First Peter, Second Peter. If you go to Second Peter chapter one, verse one through three, catch this. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Je of Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Now catch verse 3. As his divine power, everybody say power. His divine power has given to us, follow me, his divine power. Who's divine power? God the Father, God the Son. His divine power has given to us all things. Everyone say all things. That pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which he has given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these, through these we might be partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So what's Peter saying? And Peter understood this. He learned this by way of experience. He learned it not only from Jesus, but by walking it out and realizing that in him no good thing dwells. You remember what he said? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. There is no way I'm going to uh, 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 not fight. And what did he do? He forsook the Lord. And the Bible says he went out with weeping and, 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 and sorrow, sorrowfulness of heart. And he understood that within him, even though, like Paul, I want to do good, but I can't do good. In me, there dwells no good thing. And so Peter said, let me tell you where it comes from. It comes from God. It's given to us by God. His divine nature is a gift from God. So that's where we, we began to embrace the goodness of God in our life. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5 talks about being uh, uh, the light of the world. And, and how many of you know we're not the light, we're a reflection of the light. And because of that, we have the capacity to not uh, uh, partake of the things of darkness, but we rather expose them. It's nothing we did. It's what Christ has done in and through our lives. Are you with me? Say amen. And so with that in mind, understand this. And I want to, I'm going to give you a passage of Scripture that I am really chewing on here. In Acts 10, 38, you can turn there. And let me say it this way. Biblical goodness is best evidenced by the doing which has been, uh, which has been empowered by our state of being. I want to say it again. Biblical goodness is best evidenced by the doing which has been empowered uh, uh, by the state of being. In other words, when you begin to embrace who you are in Christ and embrace the goodness of God and the righteousness of God in your life and you begin to receive, as Peter said, these, uh, the, all things that pertain to life and godliness and you begin to appropriate them in your life, uh, it will be best manifest not by just uh, you know smiling and not smoking, chewing, going with the girls that do, but by what you do in life, by the doing, by the expression of of God's goodness through helping others. Acts chapter 10. It is what is said of Jesus Christ our Lord. I love this. And God, follow me, verse 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now follow this. With the Holy Spirit and with power. Everyone say with the Holy Spirit and with power. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now, what are we talking about today? We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, the same Spirit, that anointing from God. When we embrace the Holy Spirit in our life, this is what is available to us. This, If you want to walk like Jesus walked, talk like Jesus talked, be like Jesus was, and embrace the character and the nature of God, you've got to embrace His Holy Spirit that He sent for us and the manifestation and the presence 
presence of the Spirit in our, in our life begins to be made manifest just like it was in Jesus. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good. Everyone say doing good. And healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. How many of you know that same verse can apply to us? Because God wants to anoint us with the Holy Spirit and with power. Somebody say, with power. He wants to anoint us with the Holy Spirit and power. Not so we can come to church and, and, and express how good we are. And hey, it's good to come to church. Some people come to church because they think it's you, good people go to church. Good people go to church, but as we'll learn in a few moments, good people go to church so they can do good in church. Are you with me? Say another amen. And so Jesus went about doing good. What would it be like today if we embrace this principle in our life? That God has anointed us, he has chosen us, he has empowered us and equipped us, not just to buke the devil. A lot of people think, all of that's just for me, myself, and I, the Holy Spirit, so I have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Oh, but wait, goodness. Goodness is expressed by how we help others. Jesus went about everywhere he went doing good. What would it be like today if just this group of people right here, we left this place and we embraced the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life and said, you know what? I have the anointing of God on my life and it's not just to talk in tongues and dance in church. The anointing of God on my life is not just to buke the devil and, and speak in tongues. All those things are good. The goodness of God, the anointing of God on my life is here so I can be busy about the business of the master and that is doing good works and healing all those who are oppressed of the devil. Somebody say amen. Oh, I got a few of you with me this morning. What would life be like? What would our world begin to be like if we embrace this reality in our life about the goodness of God? See, most people spend all their time, energy, and effort trying not to offend the Lord. And we don't do a very good job. Well, I'm not supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to do that. I can't do that. Oh, I did this. I did that. What if we change the whole focus away from uh, me trying to, uh, 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 and we should, hey, we should walk after the righteousness of God. But what if we change the way and the reason and the motivation of our life from, I got to be here and I got to be good. I can't sin. I can't do this. And all those things are right. What if we woke up every morning because of the goodness of God upon my life, because of the power of the presence of God on my life, I have been anointed by God to be good and not just to be good, but to do good. My state of being is I am the righteousness of God in Christ and therefore I'm going to go about the business of doing good and hey, and if at all possible, I'm going to do my part to help people find the healing of God in their hearts and find deliverance in their life from the powers of darkness and begin to experience the goodness of God for themselves. Whew. Somebody say amen. That's what goodness is all about. It's not just about being good, it's about doing good. In fact, if you go back to Galatians, and I want to encourage you to do that, go back to your left, go back to Galatians, and, and look at this, how 
I told you it was a corrective ver- it was a corrective book. It was bringing correction to the body of Christ there in Galatia. And when he gets to the end, after he talks about the fruit of the Spirit and, and walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh and, and having the expression of the fruit of the Spirit called goodness operating in our life, look what he says in verse 6, uh, 7, 8, 9, and on into 10. He says, Let him who is taught the Word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. What? For whatsoever uh, a man sows, that will he also reap. And he who sows to the flesh now will also reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Catch verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Everyone say do good to all especially to those who are of the household of faith. Did you catch that? Man, we could chew on these verses for a while. Let me just break it down. Somebody say, break it down, Pastor. I want to break it down just for a moment. Look in verse 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good. Did you know it's possible to kind of get weary in the middle of well-doing? Paul just said, don't let that happen. Don't let it become all about you. Don't grow weary while doing good. There's a lot of, I could, I could preach a message on growing weary and well-doing. There's a lot of things that'll make you grow weary and well-doing. One of them is this. If you just start to realize, trying to uh, do good in your own strength, you'll grow weary. If you try to do good because you're trying to obey the rules, you'll grow weary. But if you do good because you want to be a blessing and you want to be an expression of Jesus in the, in the earth, you won't grow weary. He said, don't grow weary and do, in, while doing good. For in due season, Everybody say due season. You'll reap if you don't lose heart. Understand something. There is a return for the investment we make on planet earth. There is a reaping for everything that we sow. Whatever you sow, that will you also reap. If you sow good works, listen, I'm just telling you, good things and good things come back to you. Are you with me? I had someone become very benevolent towards me recently. And I said, sir, that's, that's a very benevolent expression. He said, I know it. He said, but let me just say what I know too. He said, and, and he, this is what he told me. It's just an example. He said, he said, Pastor Sam, you spent a large portion of your life investing in others and sowing in others' lives. He said, I just want to do something good for you. And I thought to myself, bless his heart. He sees those things. But understand something, that's the way all of us need to be about others. We be, and, and he said, go about doing good to all. Therefore, as you have opportunity, do good to all. Where should it begin? Especially in the household of faith. That's where it begins, doing good to others. Some people come to church because they think, I gotta do good people go to church. I gotta be a good Christian and go to church. No, a good Christian goes to church not just to, uh, just show everybody he's good, but to do good to all. Amen. Whew. Everybody say amen. Now, quickly, let me, let me just give you some bullet points here about the biblical goods on the goodness of God. And, and let me just say, doing without being is just legalism. You've got to understand that. That's what the Galatian church was have, having a problem with. They were just, they got back into legalism. If you said in your own strength and try to do good, 
You'll just try to obey all the rules. It's just legalism. You Listen, you can't be good enough to uh, to be a blessing to God and do good. We've, we, it's, it's all His mercy and grace in our life. And the Bible warns us against trying to just obey the rules without the mercy and the grace of God in our life. Just doing without being. you gotta, you got to be what Christ wants you to be so you can do what He wants you to do. You remember 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter? You know what Jesus said about love? He said, if you do all these good things and don't have love, you're a sounding brass and it, it helps you. It, it profits you nothing. It doesn't work. It's just legalism trying to be, uh, trying to do without endeavoring to be. Are you with me on that principle? And so we've got to learn that we've got to embrace the goodness of God in our life because if we don't embrace the goodness of God in our life and, and, and just love Him and embrace who He is in our life and appropriate His power and presence in our life, we'll never be able to do anything worth God's favor in our life. It'll just be legalism. Everybody said amen. Now let me just give you some thoughts. The biblical goods on the goodness of God. Number one, everyone say we're created to do good. Did you know God created you to do good? That's what he did. What Paul said to the Ephesians in Ephesians 2.10, he said, for we are his workmanship. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a piece of work. <laughs> we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Now catch this, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. God didn't create you just to be good. He created you to be good and embrace who he was so you could do his works in the earth. We're created for good works. It's our created purpose. We're not here to sit, soak, and sour. We're here to do good works. Not just, uh, you know, do good works, but be expressions of the goodness of God in the earth today. Number two, we've been commanded to do good. Let me show you from Timothy. If you want to take a ride and find Timothy, 1 Timothy, Paul gave some real insight to Timothy about the call of God on our life and the command of God on our life. 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says this in verse 17. He says, command those who are rich in this present age. How many of you know we're all rich today? You need to realize that, not, hey, not in comparison to some, but listen, you take us anywhere else in the world, by and large, we're all wealthy. I, I'm talking about financially wealthy. We're all rich. He command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now, look in verse 18. Let them do good. He's talking about being rich in God and being God having blessed us with finances and other things that money cannot buy. He said, let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Everyone say ready to give, willing to share. Now, you think, well, that's not really for me. I'm not wealthy. I'm not rich. Understand something. It's the command of God. We're all wealthy. We're all rich. In fact, verse 18, in my Bible, let them is italics. It means it's not in the original, but it's there just to kind of give you a better understanding. And when you read it without that, he's talking about the command of God, commandment upon the wealthy. Do good. Command them to do good that they may be rich in good works. Ready to give, 
willing to share. You see, we're created to do good. We're commanded to do good. And number three, we're cleansed by God to do good. Look in 2 Timothy. Go, let's look what Paul tells uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy about our life. Verse 19 through 21, he says this, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands those who are his. Uh, the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, and some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, catch this, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. You see, the redemption of God in your life, the cleansing of God in your life, the, the washing away of your sin. If, hey, if you've experienced that in your life, say amen, somebody. He, he cleansed you and he healed you and he delivered you, not just so you could be good, but for the purpose of being ambassadors of his goodness in the earth. Prepared. For every good work, you've been cleansed by God. And we, and we maintain our, the, the righteousness of God in our life because God has good things for us to accomplish in the earth. So we've been created by God to do good. We've been commanded by God to do good. We've been cleansed by God to do good. And if you go to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, uh, look at this. We've been completed are matured to do good. Look what he says concerning the Word of God. Verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration from God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Someone say complete. Thoroughly equipped. For what? Every good work. So God works in us. He speaks to us. In fact, this morning's ministry is to equip us so we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Not just to be wiser, smarter, better, happier, more joyful. It's to do the works of God. Everyone say, I've been created to do good. Everyone say, I'm commanded to do good. I'm cleansed to do good, and I'm completed to do good. That the man of God, the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, finally, I want to just share this with you because that's what happened to the Galatian church. They got off track. They began to misunderstand the goodness of God and what it took to be good. They began to revert back to the legalism and just the obeying of rules and trying to express their own goodness in their own strength by obeying the legalism of the day. And Paul came and he corrected them. In fact, he, he tried to teach them, and he's trying to teach us this morning, how to guard the goods. Listen, we've got to guard the goodness of God in our life. 
And I want to share with you some things from Galatians that you and I need to guard our hearts against, guarding the goods. In fact, if you go to Galatians, back to Galatians chapter 6, he says this. He says, finally, my brethren, he's, he's beginning to bring it down to the point of walking in the Spirit. But he says this, finally, my brethren, he said this about being liberated. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made you free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage, with the legalism of the day. So he's wanting us to guard our hearts and guard the goodness of God because if you begin to lose God's goodness in your life, you can't not only be good, you can't do good. Let me give you four thoughts. We've got to guard against wickedness. How many of you know we live in a world full of wickedness? Look in Galatians chapter 1. Look in verse 3 and 4. Grace to you and peace from God the Father our Lord, and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age. How many of you know we live in an evil world? And there's wickedness in the world. There's, there's demons and there's devils and there's the demonic and there, there's the evil influences of this world. And we've got to guard against the wickedness. In fact, Paul told the Ephesians, he said, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. You need to realize something, that there's a devil out there, there's an evil world out there that we've got to take our stand against. Everyone say, stand fast. There's a wicked world that we war against. We don't war against people. It's not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting people. We're, fi- we're fighting the spirit behind people. Understand something. Uh, I'm not mad. Hey, listen, take any evil, uh, take abortion, for example. It's evil. Everyone realize abortion is evil. Listen, the abortionist is not evil. He's influenced by evil. He's under the spell of the evil one. So our warfare is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Uh, And I said that as an example of where the real battle is. There are evil people in the world, but the reason they're evil is because they're under the spell of the evil one. And so we need to guard the goods against that come against us because of the evil influences in the world. Look what, look what Paul told the, the Galatian church in Galatians 3 verse 1. Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? There is bewitching demonic influence in the world that is trying to undermine the goodness of God not only in you, but the goodness of God that is to flow through you. So we should guard the goods by guarding against the wickedness of this world. But number two, we should guard the goodness of God in our life uh, by guarding against waywardness. Against being distracted away from the purpose of God for our life. Look in Galatians 1, 6. Look what he said. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel. We've got to guard the goodness of God within us that is designed to move through us. We've got to guard against not only the wickedness of this world, but the waywardness of this world. There's a lot of things trying to get our attention that may or may not be wicked, but they are wayward. They draw us away. 
from the goodness of God in our life. We've got to guard against the wickedness of this world. We've got to guard against waywardness. Number three, we've got to guard the goods against wantonness. Uh, and that's sexual promiscuity throughout Scripture. There's many warnings against sexual sin. And if you go back to the Galatians 5 and you walk through the, the, the works of the flesh... The first four or five, I have to go back and count, have to do with morality and sexual perversion in our life. And so Paul's big deal is, hey, you better guard against this one. And how many of you know, how many of you know, there's nothing, there's no difference today than there has ever been. One of the biggest issues, the biggest hiccups in life is moral infidelity and unrighteousness and unholiness when it comes uh, to, to our sexual lust. And so Paul said, listen, you need to stay Stay away from that and guard against the temptations of the flesh. Guard against wantonness. But then number four, and I think even as equally important, not only guard against the wickedness of this world and the waywardness that comes and the wantonness, sexual perversions, but we've got to guard against weariness. That's what he said. I read it earlier in Galatians 6. He said, don't grow weary while doing good. For in due season, you'll reap if you don't lose heart. I've seen people lose heart in this world. I've seen people get wayward and distracted by life and, and, and sadly uh, they're they living a life. I, I, without going into details, I'm, because of Facebook, I get reconnected with people that maybe used to be a part of our church years ago back in Quitman and I look and I remember when they got wayward and they got maybe even wanton and they got away from the, the, the ways of the Lord and, the, and they got under the spell of wickedness and you see divorce and schism and separation and trauma and trouble in their life because they, they didn't guard the goodness of God in their life. Are you with me? Say amen. Interesting thing about the Roman church, the church in Rome. Paul said this in Romans fifteen fourteen. His little descriptive of them. He said, you're full of goodness. May it be said of us. May it be said of you. May it even be said of the preacher. They're full of goodness. What is goodness? It's the character of Christ being made manifest to a world that needs an expression of goodness in their life. Amen. May we be rich in good works ready to give, ready to share. How do we do it? Not in our own strength. Paul said, nothing in me good, nothing in my flesh is good. We just follow in the footsteps of Jesus. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went around doing good and bringing deliverance to all who are oppressed of the devil, healing to all who are oppressed of the devil. Patricia, may the healing of God be continued to be made manifest in your life. Amen. Let's stand together. Father, today we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit in our life.
We embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul told us to be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. I want us all this morning as we come to the close of this service, but the beginning of a whole new week and a whole new opportunity to be, be good and to, and to express the goodness of God by doing good works. Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. May we continue to be continually being filled with your Spirit in our life. I want you in your own way right now, wherever you are, just say, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. And just begin to, just begin to invite the Spirit of God, not just to come upon you, but to begin to move through you with the goodness of God to a world that needs Him so desperately. Lord, move through us today. May we embrace the goodness of God. And may we go about the business, our created purpose, to be about the business of good works. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus with every head bowed and every eye closed.